Big questions, even bigger guests. This is the big interview. Good day and welcome to the latest episode of The Big Issue. Lately, we've seen clubs like Kaiser Chiefs and Amazulu, amongst others, clearing out their squads and emptying wage bills. Players' contracts are not being renewed and others are being released. This is going to have a major knock-on effect. Where will these players go? How will they earn an income and how will they support their families? To discuss this matter of dire seriousness, South African football journalism legend Thomas Granate sits down with the former PSL player Sean Roberts. These gentlemen get down to the nitty-gritty side of things and discuss the nasty effects that being released brings. They provide some healthy insight as to how this all should be avoided and what needs to happen to make sure this doesn't leave a drastic, long-lasting effect. Sean and TK discuss how mental health plays a role in all of this and why the PSL and SAFA need to join forces and work together. Sean, um, thank you very much for joining me. Um, There's so much that's been happening during the last couple of days and weeks. Uh, Let's get down straight to it. What do you make of the decision by some of the clubs in the um, DSTV Premier League to, I mean, get rid of so many players? I think um, Amazulu got rid of about 11 players, Keza Chiefs, 11 players, mm. Maris Becks, Kukuni United, all in all, almost 50 players have been rendered jobless. What do you make out of this um, decision? Yes, Thomas. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me again, Thomas. We need to do this more often, first of all. Um, Secondly, I'm absolutely in shock and I feel for the players. Um, you know, and you mentioned Amazulu with 11, it's actually 15, Thomas. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole squad, really. Um, you know, and, and you, you have to think, has this something to do with COVID? Are they trying to cut costs? Um, there's certain clubs I sort of understand, like Kaiser Chiefs in terms of, you've, you've seen the sort of age group they've got rid of in a way. Um, but if you look at something like Amazulu, I mean, it's just, Thomas, you've got to feel for the families, the players. I mean, it's like, four, like you mentioned, 47 players without a job. That's 47 families. It's, and, and extended families, Thomas, as you know about. It's, uh, it's coming as a massive shock. And, I'm, you know, the next two months, I guess, over the next transfer window, we're going we're gonna to see some crazy times and, and some desperate decisions made because in desperate times come some crazy decisions. I can imagine. Now, now tell me, Sean, as, as a former professional player, do the clubs maybe consult you well in advance and let you know that, listen, we will not be renewing your contract or what is the deal, really? You see, the promise, Thomas, oh, sorry, the, the problem, Thomas, is uh, in the contracts, uh, most of the clubs will have until the end of May to take up that option or not, if there is an option in the in the contract. In terms of whether players have... Um, the contract is coming up to an end. They're free to sign a pre-contract from January already. But the problem with players that have an option on their contract, the, the clubs have till the end of May to tell them yes or no, whether they're gonna, when they're going to keep them or not. And, you know, that, that contract is obviously very one-sided. Um, we, we would, as an agent, you know, we'd obviously like March, April for the clubs to make up the decision because it, if it is a no, we can look at a plan B or a plan C for the player. Um, and that's the problem now, is, is we, we're getting situations like this where there's 47 or 48 players without a job and there's only a limited amount of teams. So it's, um, it's pretty scary, Thomas. It's pretty scary. Now, now as, a, as, a, as an agent, Sean, 
in terms of the contract, are you as a professional player not uh, obliged to seek out new employment six six months be, uh, prior to the expiry of your contract? What is the situation there? Yeah, so, so Thomas, um, if if a player has no option in his contract, so for example, if a player signs a three-year straight, um, then uh, two and a half years into his contract, into his third year, he is free to sign a pre-contract with any other club. So you would presume that the club he's at would, would lock him up for another two years before the January of the third year. Um, if the problem comes in, if the player has an option on his contract, so for example, if the player has a three plus one, all of a sudden that player has to see out his three-year contract all the way to the end of the season, till the end of May. And, and then only then the club has the right to say, right, we're going to release you or or we're going to, we're going to take up that option. So it is very frustrating. It is very one-sided. So yeah, in those instances, it's not always the best bet to be the player in those instances. Um, I try always get a three-year or two-year straight for my players without an option. Sometimes it's not possible. Um, and I'll, I'll explain why it's not possible to the player when that happens. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, people look at being a professional player as the best job in the world. And, and we've seen right now why it's probably not the best job in the world or why it can be super stressful, especially if you've got a family or family members that you need to take care of and you haven't accounted for, for this because there's been a couple of surprises, right? True, quite true. I, I, I agree with you. Now, what about the players' union? What, what role can they play in a situation like this? You know, Thomas, I was online this morning. Um, you know, there's not much they can do because it's in black and white. The players have signed the contracts. The agents have been present, hopefully, when they've signed the contracts. Um, I, I think what's... Um, and I was just reading earlier about Tulangayo, who is the, the, the South Korea president, just in terms of um, how players can go about this in the future. Now, you know, obviously it's not helping the players right now, but in the future, players really need to be aggressive coming up into their, their last six months of their of their contracts in terms of finding a plan B or putting pressure on, on the current teams that are employing them. But I guess, you know, the, the players union can, I'm, I'm not too sure how they can assist just in terms of psychologically helping the players um, you know we're going to see a lot of stress here we're going to see a lot of um and, and you know stress carries on into the families I mean, we've seen what's happened thomas when when players get injured and they've got no contract to fall back on um in terms of divorce stress alcohol abuse um you know mental issues and it's not just south africa we're talking about we're talking about nfl premier league it's guys are in the big big bucks um so I do believe there is a role for Safpu to play the players' union in terms of assisting players mentally going through the struggle because this is a struggle. Um, and I, I feel for the players who are coming up to the end of the contracts and who have carried an injury and, um, and cannot carry on. So, um, yeah, although it looks from the outside being a pro soccer player is, oh, you know, I want to be a pro soccer player. What a great job. You know, with any great job comes sacrifice. And we've seen the sacrifice now, unfortunately, with a lot of these players. Now, Sean, what can be done? I mean, from the the point of view of an agent, the players' union, the Premier League, and the clubs in general. I mean, we've seen this happen, and it's not just Amazulu. But let me give you an example of Amazulu. Hmm. I think uh, Sinetemba Sitebe is one player who signed a pre-contract with Kaiser Chiefs at the beginning of the year, hmm. and he was hounded out of the club. Yeah. Why is it like that? I mean. If, if the club does not want to exercise their option to retain the player, then 
why is it so difficult? Why do they have to persecute the player when the player signs a pre-contract before his contract expires? Yeah, Thomas, it's a great question and it's, I wish I had the answer. Um, I, I can only use Cape Town City as an example when Robin Johannes signed a pre-contract at Stellenbosch and Robert, Robin Johannes was still captain of Cape Town City and Cape Town City used him till the end last game of the season and they shook hands and they moved on. Like th that's, that's how it should be done. Um, unfortunately, it's not how things are done. Um, I don't know why it's the case. I don't know if it's, an, if it's an ego thing. I don't know whether they think that because a player has signed a pre-contract, he's going to have attitude in the change room. There's going to be a bit of negative energy in the change room, which is going to carry down into the, the playing staff. Um, I don't know, but with a player like Zeteba and his quality, you would want him on the field every single weekend. And that, and that hasn't happened. And this comes to the fact you, you've asked what can be done. And unfortunately, in South Africa, the players aren't the assets. It's always the teams. If you go to Europe, the players are the assets. So the players make big decisions. The players are empowered. The players are not empowered in South Africa, unfortunately. So the players fear the teams. The players fear the owners. And so at the end of the day, we sort of, and, and, I, and I was victim of it, don't get me wrong. We sort of go with the flow. We, you know, oh, this is the way, this is where it has to be. And, and unfortunately, if you do push back, the way it is, you will get persecuted and, and we've seen it happen. It happened to me at Ajax. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I want to say things can change, Thomas. I don't think they will. Um, all I can say is to the agents and to the players out there, if you are in the last six months of your contract, you really start need to putting pressure on the team A to re-sign you or look at an improved contract or finding that plan B or plan C. To, to, to a large degree, I, I, I understand the clubs because if you look at our situation in South Africa, Mamelodi Sundowns have literally dominated our local football. And maybe the clubs feel that they've got to overhaul their squads. And, and, and would you say maybe they feel that enough is enough? Sundowns has got to be stopped. That's why they've taken this decision, which unfortunately, has a great impact on the livelihoods of some players. It could be, Thomas, absolutely. Uh, again, the, the players' interests have not be, been put first here, right? It's obviously the club's interests that have been put first. And yes, maybe clubs are getting sick and tired of Sundowns winning, but that's the way life is. You look, it's not just the PSL, it's worldwide. Um, the clubs that spend the most usually usually win the most. And it's, uh, um, I think, <laughs> If the clubs were frustrated, I think there's better ways to go about this and not just release 48 players all of a sudden. It's uh, it's pretty scary, Thomas. It's pretty scary how this can just happen and it, and it can happen. And I think a lot of players have realized, are going to be realizing right now what needs to be done going forward um, and that football is not forever. Sean, earlier on, you, you spoke about um, the mental challenges that players experience, professional players. Now, um, can we discuss that a little bit? How how prevalent is it in our domestic football and what triggers beside I mean, of course, the obvious one is that you are now you suddenly find yourself without a job. Yeah. What other challenges are there for professional players that lead to most of them, I mean, having serious mental um challenges and some even though, thank goodness, in football, we haven't seen a player taking his life. But in the arts, for instance, yeah. we've seen top artists and actors committing suicide because I believe they had mental challenges. 
What yeah. are some of the challenges faced by professional players in this country? I think, Thomas, the, the biggest one, and certainly the biggest one for me, um, I think comes at the, the, the time of retirement or the time of um, reinventing yourself. And I think we have spoken about this at length before, but it's and not enough is being done regarding this. So you must remember now for 16 years, I played professional football, then all of a sudden that stopped. So all of a sudden you stop getting paid for what you love. You stop, you stop getting paid to going to uh, a field with 30 other guys, keeping fit all striving towards a common goal that stops you you stop playing in front of four or five million people on tv every week you stop you stop walking out in front of fifty thousand people every week all of a sudden that that high that natural high that you've had part of your life for 16 years or however long one's career is stops and now all of a sudden you're in inverted commas close inverted commas real life and, and and what does that look like and that is a scary scary place because it's not easy now to go earn 50, 60, 70, 100, 200,000 rand a month if, you, if you've only been good at really one thing. Um, and, and not enough has been looked at and not enough has been done for these guys in terms of that. While guys are playing, of course, there's also mental battles. For me especially was, I guess, the fear of failure. Um, I, I guess I, I was certainly good enough to play in the Premier League in England. I really believe that, but my my constant need to be perfect every day was something that held me back and that's not it's not reality perfection is not even a real word it's not even gonna do you know what i mean so i only know that now and i and i try to filter this down to the players that i represent and hopefully my son one day will will, will be playing professional and I, I can only assist him to where i made mistakes and i wouldn't say i've got any regrets but uh, you know if i could turn back 10 years Thomas, I'd have a great conversation with myself and uh, things would be certainly different to my football career. Um, but having said that, very happy with my life is, but now I've been out of the game for eight years already, Thomas, and it's only really now that I'm redefining myself, redefining my purpose again. Um, and that's scary. And and I've got some very good people around me and I fear for the people that don't. I hear you. I hear you. Mm. Now, Sean, tell me, some people are of the view that um, South Africa is quite a large country, a big country, so to speak. And uh, to have only 16 Premier League clubs and 16 First Division clubs is not enough. Why don't we increase the number of Premier League clubs and maybe to 18 or perhaps even to 20 or 22 for that matter? What do you think of this? Because then more people, it means more people will be employed. Is it is it feasible? Is it viable? Can it be done or not at all? Because I, I strongly believe that even the national team could benefit with more teams in the Premier League. I, I understand where you're coming from, Thomas. Um, I disagree. Okay. I'll tell you why. Um, there are only really five or six, maybe seven teams in the PSL that you really take seriously. Like, uh, now if we're going to add to that, you know, we've got a lot of non-football people running football clubs in this country and it's frightening to see how these football clubs are run. I deal with them on a daily basis. It, it is scary. Um, and now you want to add to that. It, it, it's, I understand where you're coming from in terms of jobs and, and whatnot, but I think let's get the PSL right first before we look at, at it, extending it. Let's, let's make sure that the new owners that are coming and they've been vetted properly, that they can afford to pay their players, that, um, that they've potentially got, if they don't have football background, they've got very good, clever people running their business for them, football people, hopefully. And once we've got that right, Thomas, then we can start looking at expanding or improving or, or this. But until then, there's so much work in the PSL that needs to be done.
Okay, good point, point taken. Now, what about, what about, we are in the middle of the Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers, Sean, and um, we have a situation where the Chan tournament is also coming up, but we all know that um, most of the players will not be released to take part in the Chan tournament. Where is the solution? Because clubs will tell you that the Chan tournament does not fall within the FIFA calendar. And so as a result, they are not obliged to release their players. Safa have said they are actually thinking of selecting players who are in the third tier in the ABC Motsepe League. Crazy. Will they be strong enough or will they have the experience enough to properly represent the country at an international tournament? You know, Thomas, it's, this is quite a, a big one. Um, I think South Africa is one of the only countries where if you get a cap, it's like, yeah, cool, I've represented the country. I think to represent your country, you know, I, I, I've heard of players who's represented Bafana I've never heard of. I've never, ever heard of, and I'll never hear of them again because it's happened once or twice and they're gone. That shouldn't be happening at this level. You know, South Africa was a powerhouse of a team, powerhouse of a team, not even 20 years ago, whatever it was. Um, and now, now we're having this conversation around a third-tier professional, no disrespect to them, Thomas, but a third-tier professional coming to represent our country. I mean, do me a favor. I mean, it's, it's, that's, that, that, that shows you where South African football is at the moment. Uh, but I don't have the answer for you, uh, Thomas, unfortunately. Um, I think staff and the PSL need to really work closely together, which they obviously, you know, we, we know the history in terms of um, how they operate or how they don't operate together, I would say. But it's time we, we work together because if we want the PSL and, and Bafana to improve, we need to put our egos aside and put everything on the table and say, guys, how can we work together for the betterment of our players? That's the conversation that needs to be happening. And finally, Sean, uh, I mean, we've, we, we, we started this conversation on the, the, the huge number of players that are now unemployed. I mean, you're talking of 50 plus players mm -hmm. and we haven't even talked about Mamelodi Sundowns themselves. We haven't talked about Supersport United and the other clubs who is going to be released and all. The number could actually be well over 100 players that will be unemployed by the end of this month. So is there any message that you might, you know, send out to these players what to do under circumstances like this? I think, Thomas, a big one is, you know, obviously now would come a lot of doubt in their heads. And, and I must remind them that the reason you, have, you are playing professional football is that you are good enough and you will find another team. It's just being patient. And sometimes in situations like this, We've got to say no to the good so we can say yes to the great. So we mustn't just be jumping at the first opportunity in these desperate times. Because like I said, we, we make long-term decisions in temporary times and it's a, especially during COVID as well. So it, it, this can be very detrimental to one's career. But I think if the players have the right people around them, hopefully that they will be guided properly um, for a long-term solution. So I think just stay calm, stay fit. And when the right opportunity arises, make sure you are prepared. So, you know, when you're prepared, a lot of luck happens. So, uh, you know, and, and I just hope they don't use this as an escape. I mean, a, a lot of players might just say, oh, I'm over this and, you know, go off drinking for six weeks off preseason. And that's the worst thing you can do. I think now's the time where you need to be fighting, um, staying calm and just trusting the process because this is a process and it's an unfortunate process. Um, but it is a process and you just have to trust the fact that you are good enough and there's a reason you'll be playing and, and hopefully we'll find another team for yourselves. 
very wise words indeed from you, Sean Roberts. Thank you very much once again for a wonderful chat. And um, everything of the best. And let's hope that these players, as you say, do not lose hope, do not drop their heads, but just keep plugging away. And who knows, employment could just be around the corner. Once again, Sean, thank you very, very much. And best of luck. Thank you, Thomas. Have a great day. Cheers. Big questions, even bigger guests. This is The Big Interview.